Hello, guys and girls, and welcome to episode 179 of the F Reality Podcast, your one stop shop for all your weekly VR news. This week, we're going to be talking about a haptic feedback gun for VR called Striker. Oculus are selling refurbished quests for just $200. We've got an interesting new business-focused headset from JVC, and Rowdy's going to give us a rowdy science lesson in spatial computing. To round up the show, Zimmer's got some new releases for us to look forward to next week. But for now, let me introduce you to the team and find out what's been their highlight of the week this week. Also, let us know what you played in the chat so we can read out some of your highlights too. First up, he's an OG in the VR space, and some would say he's a master of the metaverse. It's our blonde brother from another mother. It's, of course, Nathy. How you doing? You could better say I'm, I'm ancient nowadays in the VR scene. You belong so, in the VR museum. Yeah, I'm a little <laughs> dusty, you know. This is the dried husk of a, of a former YouTuber. Yeah, yeah, true, <laughs> true. Like this week I felt so old because people are, you know, talking about the climb right now because uh, apparently it's apparently it's coming out soon. Um, mm -hmm. But I'm like, in my dish, I was playing the climb with the Xbox One controller because there <laughs> were no... Motion controllers. <laughs> That's true. And then, and then, and then, uh, also saying that it was one of the best experiences I've ever had without the yeah. the, the freaking motion controllers it was really fun. I, I remember like really uh, also trying to use my my environment, my room scale environment, uh, because I was so immersed even when I was holding the controller. It's crazy. Mm -hmm. oh, man. Do you, like like do you spray are... graffiti, right? Oh what yeah, are... yeah. Oh man. I was gonna ask if you had. Um... I know Mike has, but do you have a PS5 with those new fancy uh, triggers? Because I'm just thinking, no. you know, the grip mechanic, uh, so like nice. that grip mechanic with that trigger oh, yeah. system, I think would be really neat from what I've seen of it. I've not tried one myself. They're lovely. They're lovely. I want I want those haptic feedback triggers in all future controllers, mm. VR and non-VR. They're, they're amazing. I love them. Oh man, I like I, I can't wait to see actual like uh, like w what we have seen with Astrobot, where you know the control is just getting used more. Uh, I would love to have that sub genre of VR titles where you just use the gamepad. You don't need the motion controls. You just sit on your chair or couch and you just play some games that are just made for that. I think I think that would be amazing. You, you mentioning Astrobot is actually making me sad because I played Ast through Astro's Playroom, which is part of obviously the <laughs> yeah, PS5. Like a, a demo that gives you a middle finger. Uh, <sighs> it's so nice. Because... <laughs> it's it's so good. And it's just like you just want it in VR. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. such yeah. a shame. Yeah, exactly. But are you all right, though? No, I'm all right. Um, I, uh, I wanted to mention something uh, funny, or actually mm -hmm. I'm here with the facts, because okay. uh, our podcast... We're, we're, well, not about, but we're getting closer to 6,000 subscribers on, on the YouTubes. That's wow. one thing. And mm. we are super duper close to having half a million views. Oh, uh, wow. Half a million people have been watching this That's amazing, crazy. amazing podcast. Wow. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Nice stats there. Nice stats. Um, any highlights this week? VR ones? No. Oh, that's my highlight, right? There. Oh, that's your highlight. Okay, okay, fair enough. Half a million is not good enough for Mike. <laughs> so, <laughs> so uh, next up, you'll regularly find this guy hanging out in the trees and chasing gorillas. He just loves to monkey around. It's VR streamer Zimtok5. How are you doing? I'm good, Epic Beard. I'm good. Thanks. I had to bring that in there from our trailer. I, you know, it keep, reminds me every week that, yeah, Mike's got an Epic Beard because if he ever shaves <laughs> it, we know what he's going to look like, oh. but you probably don't. It um, would scare women and children, put it that way. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> They'd be screaming, I'm sure. They would. Uh, 
just like it, just like in the trees in the forest. I feel like I was in Vietnam or something, uh, you know, this past <laughs> week because thinking I was running through the trees. Um, it was it was awesome. I mean, Gorilla Tag, as we were kind of half joking last week, uh, is a free game that you can get. Uh, you can side load it via side quest. Uh, you can get it on Steam, and it's cross play across those platforms. And basically, just to boil it down, uh, first off, it was my highlight of the week. And looking back over January and February, I was like, this is actually so far my favorite game this year, which is another thing, <laughs> which is is crazy. <laughs> Look at the visuals of this thing. I mean, it looks like GoldenEye on the original <laughs> N64. It looks like shite, right? It really does. It's very low poly. It's a small cylindrical, I'd love to say prison, but we'll say, um, you know, level with trees and stuff and tree houses that you're jumping around. And the game design is really simple, but basically your arms are feet, if you want to think about it that way. They're the only thing that really collides with a surface, and you're hopping around. But what is it? I mean, the, the, the cool thing about the game design is it's hardcore from the second you join it. There is no menu. There are no instructions given except for a painted arrow on the, on the cave that you spawn in. Uh, small spoilers here if you really care about like game design surprises spoilers. for the next 60 seconds. So you jump over that and then they, they make you ascend a cliff wall. And so you have to, you're kind of forced to learn the, lo the crazy locomotion mechanic to get over that boundary and then drop into this pit. And the second you drop into that pit with all these trees, you're joined to a public server with other players. And you're like, oh my God, <laughs> yep. I'm, in, I'm in a game, I'm active. And then you're playing tag. You're playing tag with a bunch of strangers the VoIP is is uh, is dynamic and location based, so you can hear where people are, and you're straight away joined to this. I think last time I talked about it being an infection mode, so where you start with one monkey who is you know has the infection, then spreads to a second, then spreads to three, then four, then five until everybody's got it, and then the game resets, and one person is it again. You can yeah. run your own private server, but even like configuring your name, you start off as this funky single color gorilla and you're like why am i this weird shade of purple or whatever it is that it makes you and your name is just gorilla so they know you're a noob um <laughs> because you have to then climb into a treehouse, which takes some doing it'll take you probably 10 minutes to get to the monkey computer so that you can change your configuration that's mm -hmm. your settings menu is they force you to, to go through that i love that kind of game well, design monkey and then, computer so and then you, 10 you, people you, like how? playing like just fervorous action this is this needs gorn level attention in your play space i'm saying it i was knocking hands off walls and stuff <laughs> my kids my wife was playing it, everyone was knocking stuff like this game is gonna hurt your knuckles or your controllers so, if you're not careful. so you you clearly find it better than half-life alex but is it also better than the medal of honor or <laughs> it's not better than either of those games but it is pure gameplay fun and coming from a single yeah, dev I, I think this is just incredible it's really good fun comes from a vr creator actually a guy called lemming and it's just you have to download oh, this lemming. and play it it's okay. so much fun mm -hmm. it really really is so this this yeah. should get a uh, global release on uh, you know uh, playstation 5 on <laughs> playstation 4 xbox <laughs> everywhere well, uh, uh, and, and it should get a physical copy too, with limited edition, you know, collector's oh, edition. With only uh, two games need to come out, right? PS PSVR two lands. You get this, this your, should be the PSVR two <laughs> launch title. This should be to show what potential it has. You get that and Grand Theft Auto five VR, and then we're okay. Good, yeah. Okay, yeah. wow, as a bundle, <laughs> okay. as a bundle. 
Yeah. Oh, they go to hand in hand, clearly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I, I also checked it out because uh, we're obviously playing tomorrow as a team of us. Looking so forward I, I to that. I jump in and check out today. And like like Zim, I think it was it was super super fun. It was just ridiculous fun. I think that's the best way to describe it. And it's free. Like you can't really complain. It, it it's free. The climbing mechanics are really hard to master, I think. And I think that's part of the appeal is the challenge of learning how to move as a monkey. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it's just simple, ridiculous fun. So go and check it out. It's free on Steam. It's free on SideQuest. Hopefully it comes to App Lab uh, in the future. Okay, talking and about that, like, did mm -hmm. you guys for forget about the fact that we had a Planet of the Apes VR game? No, no. Oh, that was so we bad. We did. Oh, that was so yeah, bad. Yeah, I remember. But like, I, that I, wasn't that bad. No, it wasn't that bad. Oh it was God. actually actually pretty pretty it good. It wasn't. What? No, no. Okay, for the, first, it for the first like twenty minutes, it's yeah, like it was... okay, and then it turns into the yeah. world's worst shooter, yeah, where yeah, it's yeah. just yeah. crates yeah, okay, and I soldiers but popping. But the start up. is. Uh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. The start, the first the start 15, really 20 good. minutes is totally fine. But it was a free demo, right? No, no, it was a game. Oh no, it was a proper game. Yeah, but yeah, uh, like really? going yeah, back to uh, Gorilla Tag, you yeah. know, it, it's just ridiculous fun. So go okay. go check it out on Steam and SideQuest. Hopefully, mm -hmm. it comes to App Labs. Like, like I, said <laughs> I was gonna say, you're gonna have a whale of a time, but there's no, that's not right. Then you know. you're gonna have a gorilla of a time. Yeah, there you go. Um, so next up, he's the big brain of the group and loves to collect pictures of gerbils wearing fedoras. <laughs> <laughs> it's the one and only Rowdy VR. How you doing, dude? I'm 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 doing great, and you already picked my highlight right there. It was a picture of a how how do you call that that creature a, a, gerbil? a gerbil a gerbil a gerbil okay. yeah. weird no please call, call it a gerbil that, please call it a gerbil I, please <laughs> I call I called it a big rat but anyway <laughs> close close um, enough no I've I've been doing great I've had a, a very busy week didn't have time too much to be playing virtual reality uh, this week, but I, I did get my dose of Medal of Honor, so I'm still continuing with that game uh, in very, very slow paces, s struggling my way through it. Um, and indeed, like, I, I didn't know, like, some people already said to me, like, I know that Nate said that, uh, I think Tyrell already figured that out, but uh, mm -hmm. there is this scene very much in the beginning of the game where they, um, they're gonna blackmail a certain officer because they, they have, like, pictures about them and they show that to the officer next to you which pictures but you don't you don't really see those pictures because they you're they're in front of you and, and you're standing behind it um so what you what you can do then is you can like just like move to the front leap over the table you know use the space that you have available and and just look over to see what it is that you're actually looking at and it was indeed it was a picture of, of a gerbil uh, wearing a fedora hat uh, and it, it just looks hilarious when you realize that that is actually what is happening because you see their faces they go like ooh like like ooh that's like really incriminating pictures but they're just a picture of the gerbil with, wearing a fedora and it's it's a nazi gerbil <laughs> no or is no, it or is it, is it one from the from the light side <laughs> The gerbil oh, it's not. Hat. It's not on a team. It's not uh, picking a side. It's just no. neutral. It's neutral yeah. ground. Yeah. Yeah. Neutral gerbil. Why are you fetching him right now? Herr gerbil. Sorry, yeah, sorry, yeah. Go on. So that was your yeah. highlight this week. That was, that was definitely peek, my highlight. Peeking over and finding incriminating <laughs> photos of gerbils. Yeah, I, I was hoping I got like to see something real. Yeah, are, there, are there any more Easter eggs in this game? I mean, uh, there must be, right? 
I think it's the game is like an easy break. It's just yeah. like there's, there's so uh, much detail because also when they're reading off text from like you know the the German police or whatever they found like a text. If you actually go and look over the thing that they're reading out is literally what is written there, okay. and all of the papers that are like all of the all of the the letters that people are writing to each other, all of that is all written out. It's it's very very detailed in a way, which is really cool to see that in a game because you have that. You know, in VR, you can get really close, and you can you can pick up stuff and like look at that from a really close distance, which is which is neat, I think, because it really adds to that level of immersion that you're in this like living world. Um, mm -hmm. it's, it's well done. Looking forward to seeing your thoughts when you finish the game. Um, yeah, yeah, we should definitely recap that when that happens. Uh, but yeah, solid <laughs> recommendation. Months. Yeah, in three years. If you if if you continue looking at Gerbil pictures, then it's gonna take ages. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So um, before I get into what I uh, played this week and my highlight, what about the chat? What have yeah. they been up to? Any Gerbil pictures well, from no, them? No, they have not been looking at uh, pictures from Gerbils in Medal of Honor. Uh, right? I love the fact uh, that you call it Gerbils. Who is that? Sorry, they're I don't know why I'm saying it. But that's, that's what Mike said that we should call it. So we call it Gerbils. Gerbils. No, Gerbil. That sounds better in German. Gerbils. Yeah, that's what, like, it sounds very German. Design German. Einen Gerbil. Einen German Gerbils. Or Gerbils. Okay. <laughs> Got it. Yeah. I'm not going to go deeper into this because then it's going to, you know. Um, yeah, we just, I, I just said we almost hit 6K. Let's not ruin that. Uh, <laughs> it's coming down, boys. Oh, wait. Wait, wait. Before we transition, Mike, before chat says anything, I got I to gotta update on this. It should be short. But uh, this week, in a surprise turn of events, four weeks later or whatever it's been, um, PlayStation actually refunded my Hitman 3 <laughs> out of the blue. Oh, uh, they Can said, get, Dear uh, uh, Jim Barnaby, we are so sorry. <laughs> Jim. We would like to give you your money back. And they, they finished my case and gave me all my money back, 55 pounds back in my account. So good on you, Sony, for turning that around. I wasn't expecting it, yeah. but it shows that their complaint management system works. Wow. All right, there you go. Yeah. Congrats to Mr. Barnaby. <laughs> what does Chad have to say then? Uh, well, yeah, I'm sorry, I'm a bit confused here. Um, so we have Sampler19, who's going to try Micro Microsoft Flight Simulator on the G2 this weekend. Mm. May his frame rates be high and his yes. temperatures low. Uh, then we have Dave the Psycho, who uh, finished uh, Vanishing uh, uh, Grace and played Cartridge uh, Monsters. Uh, then we have DJ Cat, who has been playing with his bones in Boneworks. Uh, Vato UK has been uh, also uh, he has also been playing uh, Flight Sim and a mm. bit of Goran too best combination ever and then last but not least we have Johnny Wells who has been playing pickup hockey from App Lab I hear a lot of good stuff about that as well because sports VR games are quite rare uh, so um, getting to play hockey is uh, is one of those uh, things you don't get to do every day in VR yeah so there you go nice they've been busy yeah, uh, nice. So this week I did uh, jump into Microsoft Flight Simulator uh, in VR uh, to check out the brand new World 3 update, which dropped uh, this week as well. Mm. Uh, the new update adds new sort of points of interest and uh, added detail to locations across the UK and Ireland. So I thought this was the best opportunity to go and check it out for myself. I was using the Quest 2 with Oculus Link Cable along with a Thrustmaster T16000M HOTAS, which is a hands-on throttle and stick. And... It, it was probably the most performance-intensive VR experience I've ever played. It was very challenging to get running smoothly, um, even with an i9 processor and an RTX 3090. Uh, on high settings in VR, I was getting, on average, 
around 30 frames per second. Um, but thankfully, there was some uh, some helpful YouTube videos uh, from a guy called Flight Sim, uh, VR Flight Sim guy. And uh, I was able to get a smooth experience from his recommendation of turning on ASW in the Oculus Trade tool to 30 mm. frames. So basically, it's reprojecting up to 80 hertz, uh, which is what I had the Quest 2 set at. So it's kind of, you know, doubling the frame rate artificially, which works but isn't perfect you still get some issues and artifacting but yeah. overall that made the experience way way smooth. more enjoyable and it was a really really smooth experience after that yeah. i'm not a massive flight sim guy so you know i'm, I'm still kind of like dipping my feet into the pond when it comes to flight sims but i found it incredibly peaceful just kind of cruising around the skies checking out mm -hmm. uh some interesting sites around the uk uh, I, I appreciate that this experience isn't going to be the same for everyone because obviously you really need that high-end system to push mm -hmm. it to the max. Yeah. It's kind of almost become like the crisis of VR to mm -hmm. a certain degree. It's like, can your machine run this game? And mm -hmm. I, I don't think many people out there will be able to get that kind of experience. And hopefully the game gets better optimized in the future for certain graphics cards and they can just automatically set the settings required for that card because playing around with the settings is the biggest pain in the ass so, when it comes yeah. to getting this game so up and running. On, on a pancake screen, it, it runs at least at 60 because of course with VR, it's way more challenging. Yeah, you can get it to run at 60 frames per second on a flat screen, but again, you would need a high-end system to do that or like the Xbox, yeah. you know, Series X uh, machine or whatever it is. Mm. Um, but I can definitely see the appeal of why people love flight sims so much, you know, after experiencing this, because, you know, it was so visually stunning uh, and checking out these sites and flying over London at night and seeing all the lights and stuff. It really is breathtaking. So if you do have the opportunity and you do have the system, I'd highly recommend it. But if you've kind of got a, a, a you know, a moderately decent system, then it might be worth waiting for further optimization from Microsoft in the future. But and it's the cool only indeed. way to get in a plane these days, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I don't even like flying, but I loved it. So <laughs> that's a testament. But um, one other thing I also want to quickly mention <laughs> is a movie that I checked out this week. And you guys might like this. Oh. It's a movie called Willy's Wonderland. Willy's don't Wonderland? Get any, what yeah, kind of film is this, Mike? What Willy? He's going to say that. Um, so, yeah, you might be disappointed. It's not a rude film. Uh, but if you're no, no, a no, fan I mean, of... I was, I'm into Orcas, man, personally. I'm into... Orcas? Oh, yeah. Okay. yeah. Is this Orcas? <laughs> well, this will appeal to you if you're a fan of Five Nights at Freddy's, uh, because this movie is basically a Five Nights at Freddy's film. Uh, it features Nicolas Cage. <laughs> and he has to spend a night at Willy's Wonderland, which is this kind of like kids party restaurant. Uh, but willies willies i love willies <laughs> but, but the, what the hell this the, is so mature the animatronic puppets have come to life and they want to eat him so they wanna, very they similar give concept you, uh, they want to give you wet willies in the dark exactly and he's not up for that so he's like fighting them hey, off. hey, hey but uh talking about uh Nicolas cage uh was that the vr experience uh, again like the name oh, no that the was Nicolas like, oh, cage uh, movie experience <laughs> oh that was so bad it was like called <laughs> the bureau or something like that it was it was, it was, it was Nicolas cage that was john travolta yeah, no, there was no, one no, with no. John Travolta, and there was one with Nicolas Cage. Yeah, there was there one on Nicolas Cage. Cage. Okay. Yeah, it was Some kind of detective uh, series thing. Uh, yeah, well, obviously and it was, his, uh, his rates it, are a little bit low than other moment. They were like seems. beating up Mexican people in the bathrooms and stuff. It was just not, it, it was, and it was very low production. Like they tried with, it looked like like an, a 180 camera, you know, but it was lo-fi. Yeah, so, oh. so would you say to uh, jump into that VR experience before you watch this movie or after? Because is it lower it, in any way? 
Forget the movie. Forget the, the, oh, the VR forget the movie. experience. Forget the movie, forget, everyone. Just forget the VR the experience. <laughs> Nathan's just going on some crazy segue. But the movie itself, like it, it's one of those movies just that's so bad that it ends up being good, and it's almost got this kind of cult following already. You just turn your brain off Mike, and just enjoy Mike. it. Is this new then? Is this, yeah, so it's, is this like an old it's, film? It's, no, it's fairly new. It's just come out uh, available to buy and rent on iTunes. Um, so okay. if, on if iTunes? you're interested in. Yeah, or like whatever program, whatever platform you rent to, and buy movies from. You're watching movies through iTunes? I've got Apple TV. It's okay, just yeah, fucking, sure. it's just ribbing Flex. on your mic. You is know, this no, still, a, is this, a, is this still a VR podcast? What the heck? What's going yeah, on? This is Bear Five Nights at Freddy's. Yeah, so? Wonderland. Go check <laughs> it out. Tenu- There's a tenuous link. This is why they just kicked him off the force, you know. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but I, this I, long I, dotted line. Oh, it sounds like a fun movie, though. It's a fun movie. Yeah. So go uh, check it out. Was it scary though? Was it any scary? No, no, it was just ridiculous. <laughs> okay. But funny. <laughs> okay. Um, right. So before we get into the news this week, <laughs> I, I want to thank the sponsor of this week's show, and that is, of course, Val, the Virtual Athletics League. Val are currently running the VR Winter Games, which started yesterday, the 19th of February, and it's the follow up to last year's VR Fitness Summit. The VR Winter Games is a series of online tournaments in which you can enter and compete for your opportunity to win thousands in cash prizes in over 20 VR games, including games such as Arizona Sunshine, Eleven Table Tennis, Pistol Whip, and Until You Fall. If you want to find out more about this tournament, how to enter the games and the cash prizes, check out the website onearena.gg, which has all the details. Links are in the description down can below. I, can I make a suggestion? What if they add Gorilla Attack uh, to their uh, current list? Might be a bit late now. That's the problem. But I mean, it's it has potential to become an esports. Well, well, it does. Uh, it, it's it's just, fun. Yeah. It's, it's hilarious to watch as well. Imagine so. someone can win like a million playing that. <laughs> a million prize pool for Gorilla Tag. <laughs> yeah, I'd be down. I'd be playing. <laughs> Same. Yeah, that's that's definitely. So yeah, good. let's get into the news then. Uh, first bit of news this week is about haptic feedback gun for VR called Striker. Now, Zim and I are big fans of haptic feedback gun accessories. We've previously played around with uh, the Force Tube from ProTube, and I even have a uh, a Force Feedback pistol here from ProTube, actually. It's kind wow. of like a prototype. Um, mm. Really yeah, fun to, nice. to use in games like uh, Pistol Whip and Crisis Brigade. It's quite heavy as well, so it adds a little bit more to it as well. Um, but it just kind of adds that little bit extra, another layer of immersion, sort of providing you kind of recoil feedback when you you pull the trigger. Um, we're also big fans of the PSVR aim controller, right? You know, yeah, we've, yeah, yeah. we've, we've yeah, yeah, talked yeah. about that on the show before. Amazing. It was super simple to use, a really nice accessory, didn't provide haptic feedback, but was great for use in games like Firewall Zero Hour and Firepo- uh, Farpoint, really sort of added something extra to the game. And the thing is, like, we don't really have an official gun accessory for like oculus or valve um so it's kind of interesting that you know these other third-party manufacturers are kind of filling the gap and the funny thing is that in the early days of oculus um they were actually working on their own gun accessory but then when they were bought by facebook that whole project was scrapped and if you're interested that was kind of detailed in the book called the history of the future by blake j harris it's a really great book about like how oculus started if you want to go check it out it's available uh, on all sorts of book platforms i'd imagine it's available on amazon um but going back to striker uh this gun accessory you've actually tried this right nathy mm. uh the striker you mean yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I tried multiple times. I, I, I feel like it's one of the the standard accessories that that a VR arcade has. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and you, it's it's basically like one huge plastic gun, 
quite heavy, I would say, where on the backside you can slide in a controller. Uh, you can slide in a uh, mixed reality controller. I, I, as far as I know, they also have one for the Vive controllers. Mm-hmm. Uh, Oculus, I don't know, because the Oculus products have never really been you know, used in arcades. Uh, you know, the CV1 wasn't made for huge room is, scale. Is that uh, for the tracking, Nathie, that you slide the controller in? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. yeah oh, okay, of course, okay, yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't use Steam VR tracking or anything like that. It just uses a controller and just looks at that. And then a, g- mm. a game gets built around that. Um, it does have, you know, haptic feedback uh, too. Not yep. not ex- like extreme in a way like you just showed with the Pro 2 because it's, it was always made for more, you know, consumer... Uh, friendly things like the guns were basically made to get people into VR in an easy way because you hold the gun and you instantly know what to do with it um, right but yeah it's interesting to see they are now going for the consumer market um, yeah because exactly uh, the arcades yeah. are well most of them are closed so they have to come up with a plan B yeah wow. and this is um, the news that we got from Road to VR this week stating that the company behind the striker gun have received four million US dollars in funding to bring this uh, accessory to the home market. Uh, the gun is planned to have uh, trackpads on either side of the front grip and some capacitive in, uh, inputs along with the trigger. So you've got a couple of buttons on there as well. Personally, if I was them, I would ditch the trackpad and and move forward with a thumbstick like the the oh, PS yeah. aim controller. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah 100. Trackpad is bad. I can show you what that looks like uh, if you've never seen an, uh, an aim controller. It's got a little thumbstick. Back, back uh, it up a bit, yeah. Just there. Um, got it. Which is really nice. And the thing is, I like you know, the combination of the two still. Like the Steam controller hats. I, I really like that trackpad on there. Uh, the original Steam controller. Yeah. I think the problem is that the VR market has kind of moved on now. You know, we've got uh, Valve but with I'm the not index talking controllers. About the, I'm not talking about the Vive controller. I'm talking about uh, the Steam controller. Yeah, I appreciate I that. You, Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But even so, I think people are, are moving away from that kind of control method in general. Like, I think people generally seem to prefer thumbsticks now, and, and developers are de- designing games around thumbsticks rather than trackpads now. Mm, yeah, true. Um, Although, if you if you played Vertigo 2, then you uh, will, again, appreciate, uh, you know, the the touchpads. Yeah, I, I, but it, I think it has it's its just, place. But I, I think for for a gun, the, no, <laughs> no. The, the thing with Vertigo thing is, is that, that it that was that very I'll... cleverly designed around the trackpad, you know. Yeah. But it works extremely well also on the Oculus controllers. That's so the that's just a the, very well developed game. Contro- the thing with the Steam controller is that it it allowed me to play PC games that normally require mouse control, because you can flick with a with a with a trackpad mm. much faster than with a with a with a thumbstick. It requires some practice in order to do it, but. If you if you get quite good at that, it's, it gets pretty close. I do think the Steam controller with the the, the trackpad that you're talking about, uh, Rowdy, is really great for for those kind of games, like um, you know strategy games on a on a monitor. If you want to play it, no, I'm talking home. about first person shooters. Yeah, but, but I, I just don't think it's it's got its place anymore for uh, for VR controllers. Definitely not. I, I mean, I, I I mean, I disagree with that, but. Um, I, I I understand why. I just don't think that thumbsticks work very well with first-person shooters in general. But of course, you don't yeah. really need that with but, uh, um, with VR because you aim anyway with with, uh, with aiming but, uh, your, your, your controller. But you need you need that method to move around, and I think that's the yeah. thing. So like with, especially uh, with the movement, aim controller, it's definitely better. You know, yeah. with firewall, the having the thumbstick to navigate yeah. and move around your, your yeah, character like was, holding, was amazing. Holding like, a holding a gun, a VR haptic gun like the PSVR aim controller, you need to have the thumbstick because you're already holding it in a certain way. And if you, it's it's very, 
uh, complicated to then also be using a, a trackpad at the same time. This is opening a great conversation thread, which is as you're playing an FPS and you're using an accessory that mm. not everyone else has, yeah. like the ProTube, for example, is this usually, in my opinion, it's a trade-off of I want more immersion, but I'm going to take the hit. So, for example, I'm yeah. moving myself physically to move the gun, but it looks like I'm holding a rifle or whatever it is when I'm using it. But I'm moving a lot slower, to Rowdy's example, than I can with uh, a touchpad input to flick my character around. Mm -hmm. And the, the disadvantage of a, of a thumbstick is usually it's linear or linear accelerated motion, which, which for a Quake player like me is, is too slow to do a, a, swing, uh, a swing turn like you would with a mouse, for example. Mm -hmm. Is, so, is this controller aimed only for VR use, or is it also for regular PC use? Only for VR use. Um, yeah, this, okay, this, then this, it makes sense, because yeah. you would have, like, have, I mean, no, it doesn't make sense. Then it, it, it would make sense to have a thumbstick then, because you would only use it for movement. That's why I said I like the combination of the two, mm. where you have a thumbstick for movement and the trackpad for fine motor control. And that's exactly what I was trying to say in terms of the thread here, is I think that if you're, if you're going to be playing an FPS... The FPS itself should have some mechanism to force a player to do room scale motion and mm -hmm. not use any kind of input for smooth turning. It should be real turning only. If you're going to have a fair playing field in something like a game like Onward or that, mm. these, I mean, these, these tools only become useful in a competitive environment if they're better than the analog stick or trackpad turn, you know? But, and if, if they don't disable that, then it really all it is is it's an immersion add-on, you know? Yeah. I think the issue is that is support, you know, because if it's got like, you know, its own trackpad, it's going to require specific dev support to implement its mm -hmm. its functionality in any game. Yeah. And I think, you know, that's always the challenge with these mm -hmm. kind of haptic accessories yeah. is game yeah. support, because, you know, as we've seen with B Haptics, they've gone through, a, you know, a painful process where they tried to get devs to implement B Haptics. Some did, mm -hmm. most said that they, they didn't have the time. So what they ended up doing, which I think was really smart of them, was being proactive and making mods for the most popular games like Half-Life Alex yeah. and Population One, which added uh, B-Haptic support to it. And, um, you know, it's unclear as to what the, the plan is with this striker gun, whether they're going to approach devs, you know, and say, look, we want you to implement it or they do the implementation through a mod like B-Haptics have. Um, yeah. But at the I, moment... I see that uh, I see that uh, the same point that you made is something that GT said as well. Like he says uh, in the chat, I would say that $199 standalone uh, and they should chuck some software in it to make the most of it. The reason that the aim controller was great was the Farpoint and Firewall bundle. So it had indeed that support mm. that of like, you know, those games were really well advertised as well. Yeah. There's a lot of interest in those one specific or two titles. two fantastic yeah. games that'll yeah. really it sell well. it. Yeah, like that, um, the Wii used to have this controller for a Zelda game that was like a crossbow or something, mm -hmm. and um, like all that was the only game that it supported. But people mm. still bought it um, because it was a solid title. Farpoint was an amazing bundle yeah. with that. I mean, yeah, it was pricey. Really. It was eighty quid. It was eighty pounds for for the gun and the game, and that's yeah. that's that's not cheap for an experience that lasts you eight hours. You mm -hmm. know, so. The uh, the price point for this is five hundred US dollars. Um, they're planning yeah. support for PC VR and Oculus Quest. Interestingly, uh, although how they're going to do that, we're not quite sure because obviously with Steam VR, you could use like a Vive tracker or you could slot a controller in. Mm -hmm. They might just go the same method with the Quest as well, just like have a, a method to slot a Quest controller in because I know that Oculus are quite closed in terms of letting their tracking technology out to so third parties. So I think that's yeah. probably unlikely. Um, but, you know, it's a similar sort of price to what ProTube are offering with a Force Tube. So I think price-wise, 
it is what it yeah. is right now until the market grows yeah. in that a, area. But, exactly. Um, I mean, th these are all expensive. One thing I just wanted to mention about these striker guys is they've they've been around. Like I'm running a video at the moment that's five years old, like June yeah. 2015. These guys yeah. have been around yeah. this whole time, survived that long. I think again, this is the this is the problem with COVID from last year is that that has they have been a real prominent showcase uh, on on convention floors in arcades. Uh, it is a pricey accessory, but if you're an arcade, you can stomach it. I, I would say this is the same problem that that the Force Tube folks have: is that you know swallowing 500 for any accessory yeah. on top of a headset that that's you know 300 to 600. It, that's a that's tough. I mean, some people will do it, but well, you got, it's, it's I mean, not you got, even five percent yeah. of the market that's going to. Yeah, but if your arcades are closed and no one is buying any licenses for games right now, then you got to try something. So it's no, no, just, I agree with I agree with the strategy. Right, uh, they, they've got to stay alive. Plus, uh, ProTube is more made for the you know the hardcore uh, VR FPS fanatics. Well, this is going to be more aimed to. You know, also casual. people, yeah, exactly. Casuals. Yeah. No, the, the I'm not saying that casual least. people have, yeah. but it's it's maybe easier for people to get a connection with this. Um, but then compared to the ProTube, of course, it's just one big chunk of a gun. Well, the other one, you can really change it uh, for every game you play. But yeah, that's the difference between, you know, it's as also you said. a problem. I mean, uh, uh, kind of who from you have used the force tube even and knocked something over? Or mm -hmm. bumped something with the end of the gun. This is a massive hunk of plastic, even in comparison to the force tube. So yeah. Carbon. I, it is a it, it's well, a problem for people in small places to be swinging around something this size. Yeah, mm -hmm. but I, I still think, as you said, if there is one or two games that support this in a in a proper way, I think that's enough to kind of make it like take yeah. off, even for for yeah. its price. But yeah, they need to prove that if there is no real game and people play these these tech demos with it. Yeah, yeah, you're not gonna pay 500 bucks. It's it's like those. Um, you remember those Mac controllers back in the days? Those were like <sighs> yeah, that was 400 amazing. buttons and stuff like that. That was like, so good. Yeah, <laughs> I would love that in VR. The modern yeah. version of that is is the the farming simulator uh, controller, which is if anyone's not seen it, it's like this giant like tractor array of like three controllers. <laughs> it's like if you took a hotas and then had a horrible nightmare. That's what it looks like. Mm -hmm. That sounds plastic, amazing. I need to buttons. go and check that out. You need to check this out. Mike. It's yeah. scary. It's One is now. But yeah, that is the uh, the Striker uh, VR gun accessory. Um, like I said, they, they're bringing it to consumers. Uh, yeah. We don't have a sort of a release window or well, anything like that, I'm, but they reckon it's, it's going to be about 500 bucks. It's going to happen fast, I think, cool. because this sounds like a survival tactic from them. They have to sell something to keep afloat. Well, fingers crossed they can get the devs on board, or at least, like I say, make some mods like Be Haptics did, did it, did it yeah. the smart way, yeah. and uh, you know maybe you you'll find your favorite game gets that kind of support, and then you might be interested exactly. in checking it out if you've got the budget for it, of course. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that is Striker uh, VR haptic gun. Next thing I want to talk about is the Oculus are starting to sell refurbished Oculus Quest ones. So now you can bag an original 64 gigabyte Oculus Quest for just $200, although this will be for a limited time whilst the stock lasts. And this offer is only available in the US. So sadly, those of us in the UK and Europe can't take advantage of this. Of course. <laughs> of course. Uh, <laughs> so what do, you, what do you guys think of this? Like, uh, would you, if, if you were, you know, tight on funds, would you be willing to go out and, and buy a refurbished Quest, or would you hold out a little bit further, a little bit longer to get the Quest 2 for 300 yeah, That's what I would do. I would definitely hold out. I wouldn't need like, for a week, I'd get the Quest 2. There, there's no, like, Quest 2 kills Quest 1, period. 
like I, I'm also glad if, they're if doing look, it, but yeah. If you look at the history of like how quickly Oculus kills off headsets, you know, the Oculus Go is already gone, <laughs> the Oculus Rift is gone, the Rift S is about to go or is already gone. I don't know what the status of that one is by now. How much longer is the Oculus Quest, the original one, going to be around? I don't think it's going to be. Or viable, mm. right? From a dev perspective, there's so many features yeah, now. Course. It's kind of like having a PS4 and not the PS4 Pro. Like there, There's enough of a gap there yeah. that if you've tried the latter, you don't want to go backwards. I would say the gap between Quest 1 and Quest 2 is even more substantial than that. I think so. That. Yeah, it's a more substantial it, it, jump. It, yeah. It's a substantial jump, and it's to the point where once you've used Quest 2, you don't want to go back. I'd love to say yeah. I was paid to say that because... You know, it, 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 it just, it's annoying. It was so annoying putting on the Quest 2 and have these two feckers be right about that and then have two of Quest 1s in my house be basically yeah. useless to me, you know? Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah. I, I agree. Like, software-wise, it's a risk. Yeah, if you see how things are disappearing, you know, in the background. Um, there are things that, that I, I just miss because, like, reasons why I would still buy a Quest 1, and this is, like, this is not relevant to anyone who wants to buy a Quest 1, is... The IPD slider, amazing. Mm -hmm. The strap, yeah. amazing. With the actual pull mechanic that the elite straps don't have right now, and that's why they break. So there are still things that make this Quest One amazing. The strap but is from a very the good inside, point. From the inside yeah. perspective, yeah, you're right. Quest Two far better, but from the outside, I still think Quest One is more solid. So I find uh, the price also still a bit high. No, two hundred dollars for a refurbished well, I mean, Quest One. Half price. If you buy yeah. a second-hand one, you can get one for one fifty. Uh, yeah, max. this is official. This is from the company with the warranty. So you know. Yeah, that's no, the difference. That's so wise. I should I should state because uh, we had a funny comment from gaming science teacher that says, "Ooh, refurb, yuck!" For something you put on your head and face, and I guess she's referring to like it's been on someone else's face. But Oculus state that all refurbished Oculus Quest products are inspected, cleaned, oh. and tested to work and look like new these refurbished units are also backed by a 30-day uh, returns policy and also offer a sixth six-month warranty on them imagine so. you unbox it and you find this like dried up booger on the <laughs> oh dude <laughs> just but... paint the most beautiful pictures Nathan. so that, that's why that's why you should buy a quest <laughs> but i think right now you know there isn't that much difference in terms of the library. You know, we can play the same games that are available on Quest 2 and Quest 1 no. still at the moment. Well, there isn't not, really... Not, no, no, not completely, because, for example, Rec Room, if you want to play Rec Royale and some other, you're, you're already kind of getting restricted now, slowly. So, again, that's, that's a risk. A very also, risky on business. the other side, this is very interesting, but do you guys remember when they brought over the Gear VR and Go support into the Quest yep. Store? Mm. I don't believe on Quest 2 you can install those games. No. I think they only work on Quest 1. So okay. there's a reason. If you really like that short list of 30-odd games, they completely <laughs> abandoned that afterwards. And it wasn't a big success. I'm sure it didn't sell very well for them It was them quite all. hidden away, to be fair, as well. It was hidden. It was it was a test, right? And they were testing yeah. it to see if it would fly. It didn't fly, and so they just so, left it. And that's um, fine. I don't, be I don't better, better, uh, better question then. Like, why are they doing this now? And why is it limited? Because I'm sure we can all agree they're getting rid of some old, yeah, like, that, that they that, have been laying around that people have been, you know, sending back and they're like, we still need to get, so make some quick money. Um, yeah. yeah, like, you know, they probably got a surplus stock and they just want to get rid of them. You know, yeah, they, they've just waited out until they were not selling it anymore. And now oh, they have wait, it's... It's stock. It's not. It's not refurbished. No, no, no it's refurbished. refurbished. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, a it stock refurbished. of refurbished. But the point is, there's a returns process. They will take that in. 
they can't immediately resell it, so it becomes mm, a yeah, warehouse they... job, right? And I would agree. Like the, the fact that they're saying limited, still, when you when you see when you see that as a consumer, you go, oh right, it could run out any time. When I when I see that coming from Facebook with their size, they must have thousands of these already yeah. ready, boxed, ready to go to ship, etc. To sell, uh, obviously to the North American market, right? So it's it's interesting because they've been stockpiling these, and now they're they're shell they're kind of getting rid of them but at some point like what ratty was saying that'll dry up support for quest one will drop they'll stop selling quest ones you know and then it'll just be secondary market where you can get well, this things. is another sign that it's happening yeah um, but what will happen to all the refurbished ones in uh, europe then or they just get sent back to the u.s and they're now selling it to u.s people they go to the desert but but the, the, yeah, 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 they dig yeah. them uh, into yeah, 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 you asked yeah. why there's still some room there uh, let me answer your question there Nathan. like what why would oculus and facebook decide to do this now i think they're doubling down on the fact that right now and it hurts all of their competitors they are in such a price advantage yeah. that now they have the option to say guess what guys screw you i'm gonna allow a headset that i can sell for 200 dollars now it like double shafts their competition that's sitting up at 600 or 800 dollars and they just they can't touch them it starts to become a very difficult sell you know a, a mm. difficult thing to say okay i don't like the facebook log into their policies so i don't want to buy their headset and then you go mm. to the shelf and you go do i really want to spend 800 on an index or do i want to spend 600 on a you know windows mixed reality device yeah and i think for for most of us you know or, or, or for those of you that are watching or listening to this podcast you're you're informed so you probably know to hold on a little bit longer save that little bit of extra money but maybe for the average consumer they just see it well that's a really good deal i'm saving yeah. 100 bucks what's the real difference i don't really care that, let's just go for yeah, it and exactly I think, that, that might be the thing like yeah. that maybe it's the the incentive that they want to give to pull them into the ecosystem. Yeah, no, exactly. They say, you know, like, uh, you know, we get them in now and they might later get a Quest 2 when we yeah. stop support for Quest yeah, yeah, 1. Exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah exactly. And, but th they're going to do that again. I promise you, at some stage, you'll be able to buy for like 100 bucks a Quest 2, two, three years from now, you know, something I'm, like that. I'm they're sure. going to get to that $100 mark as soon yeah. as they can. And, and I'm sure uh, that then uh, the, the Elite Strips are easy to get, you know, your hands on too uh, as well. Wow. You know, they have they'll a lot of refurbished uh, they'll be <laughs> the Elite Holy Strips Grail. laying around. The ones that survived. Yeah, the know. ones that survived. I, I love the point exactly. that Nathan made, though. Like, the strap on the original is so robust. Mm. Have you ever heard of a Quest 1 strap breaking? Only, only like after like years, like you know, a year or but so. It, it's like a some genius. people were pulling them all yeah. the way out and stuff. But, but, um, but the not, spring, not, this, the spring really. load in there was just a genius thing. I, 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 I still think that the the Quest Two from the outside is just a cheap version of the Quest One. The Quest One is more premium from the it's, outside. It's not the materials. That's no, the no, 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 no. The it's, problem is the design because it's the and design, I, I, yeah. I call this out. There's torsion in the twist because of the twist. Yeah. Engineering-wise, with plastic, that is a bad decision. And the problem is, it's going to keep happening. It's going to keep breaking until they change that design. Mm -hmm. I wonder if they can, actually, because it's mounted at, a, at an angle. So mm -hmm. are they going to actually end up, uh, uh, you know, addressing that with a new product? You know, the the doubly elite strap? The boss elite strap? I, I, like, I what's it going to be? Boss no. elite strap. <laughs> 
<laughs> level 100 they boss gotta fix it i hope they fix it i hope they I, just I, ignore the problem I, I think they found out that that no no one really cares and that the the soft strap is something people use all the time i see people using yeah. it all the time all the time and and they're not gonna upgrade that i burnt mine the second it came off my cross yeah. <laughs> never put it on again getting high um, off the fumes yeah <laughs> yeah um but yeah if you are interested in taking this offer up which you know personally we wouldn't recommend we would recommend you, you hold on a little bit longer get the quest yeah. too uh but you can check out this offer which is available on oculus.com forward slash quest if you want to get one for 200 bucks mm. So, a final bit of news this week is that JVC are going to be releasing their new XR headset for business and enterprise mm -hmm. applications. The headset, which has a really catchy name, get ready for this, HMD VS1W, just oh rolls God. off the tongue, mm. is due to release as soon as March. <laughs> now, information about this headset is kind of scarce at this point because it seems like it's aimed at the Japanese market, not, not for us uh, in the West. Um, this is the first HMD we've seen from JVC, so it's kind of cool that more big companies like them, at least, are making hardware in this space. I think that's pretty good news. Um, but what makes this headset unique is that instead of using cameras uh, for a pass-through mode, uh, like other high-end enterprise sort of business-focused headsets like Var the Vario, for example, um, this headset uses a proprietary mirror display, so it's opaque. Uh, you can see right through the display like an AR headset. Um, oh. And what they're selling this, this sort of promoting the main use cases are, are simulation training for driving cars and flying planes. For example, you can see the physical dashboard of a, of a car or the cockpit and the controls of a plane, but then overlay the virtual driving or flight experience over the top. Mm -hmm. um, oh my gosh, that's, wait, wait, say that again. So this is for real world driving or this is just for sim? It's a bit of both. So the, what they're kind of showing in their trailer is that you'll have a physical cockpit with a blank kind of windscreen, for example, and then they'll have the, the virtual world overlaid on that part of it, but the rest will be kind of like opaque, see-through-ish, so you can still use your hands to manipulate the physical controls. Two words. It's kind of an interesting... Vehicular oh. homicide. Right, it's coming. They're not actually driving on roads, Sim. It's not like Carmageddon. This is like in a in a sterile training environment. The, oh, right, right, right. No, because remember we saw that other headset a while back that they were they were, it was a Volvo or somebody. They were showing that was the Vario. That was driving. the Var the Vario or the Vario. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, Grant, I'm good. I'm good now. I'm good. Okay. okay. So, um, so JVC, uh, just some background. They uh, are making cameras, right? Video cameras. Uh, yeah, they, they, they made like, also didn't they also make TVs back? In, I don't yeah. know about that. They but sell DHS definitely players in airports that are DVD players. Yeah, yeah okay, they, okay. they made so they're, 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 they're a big electronics name for many years. And actually, this Japanese, isn't the first. Yeah. This isn't the first time we've heard of VR equipment from them. Actually, I was seeing articles a while back, um, back in, uh, back back from like 2018 and stuff with okay. um, JVC talking about products and prototypes mm. and stuff like that. So very interesting to yeah. see them now introduce this headset it's quite a different approach to what we've seen with other with this yeah. kind of mm. opaque yeah so front end yeah you know i don't know whether from a business or an enterprise point of view that this is appealing i'm not quite sure uh, it certainly seems that vario are kind of leading the pack when it comes to like enterprise business True. solutions yeah, because they uh, also have the software and things like that and it depends if they can pull that off too you know in a proper way but uh mm. something that uh, i've seen people talk about is that the trailer that we are showing you right now this is why you should be <laughs> watching our video version of so mm. all these pictures that you see of people wearing this headset are stock pictures and if you look them up 
those people are not wearing that headset. They just copy pasted those headsets onto those people. So there is no real picture of someone wearing it. So it could be that it's not even ready yet where it's wearable. You know what I mean? Mm. Because there's mm. no evidence. All those pictures are fake. Agree? Or is or am I just uh, no, no, going no, into the yeah, conspiracy yeah, yeah, stuff here? No, they are, they <laughs> yeah, are they're definitely fake. You can see fake. it. But uh, that's something that I just wanted to say. So it's not clear yet if this is an actual working thing yet. Yes. Uh, it seems no, it, to be a thing they do out east, though. They seem to do this a lot in their trailers where they're just like, oh, we'll just do a... We'll pay someone, do a fancy Photoshop job, and we'll just spackle the headset in can you imagine if somebody in the western market tried that like they would just grip to shit on reddit like <laughs> yeah. i just i hope they will, well, know, they, hope they, those, will those work they, those work well on linkedin i see them constantly like oh look at this headset i'm like you guys have no idea how photoshop works uh, apparently uh yeah <laughs> oh my God. so to give you some specs uh the headset features uh 2560 by 1440 pixels per eye uh, resolution, uh, 120 degrees field of view, and it runs at 60 or 72 hertz. It's compatible with Steam VR tracking, meaning that you can use Steam VR base stations and controllers, such as the original Vive ones and the Valve Index controllers. Mm. So that's why it's kind of interesting because it's kind of got this AR kind of aspect to it, but it uses Steam VR tracking. Um, kind of unique. How heavy do you think this uh, thing is going to be? Oh, I. That information is available, but I didn't oh, write it down. Oh, it is available. Okay. It is available, yeah. But it doesn't full... look light. Yeah, it doesn't. No, the full or specs are available uh, in an article from Road to VR if you're interested okay. in checking it okay. out. Yeah. Uh, there is no pricing on this headset just yet, but, you know, with most kind of these high-end uh, headsets, you know, they're going to be expensive, so don't really consider it anyway. But hmm. you never know, JVC might consider making consumer headsets in the future. Might be a thing. Uh, be interesting, once yeah. VR grows even more, if they've had their hands in already, Plus might be easy Japan. to make like, something cheaper. Like VR is huge in Japan. I mean, they were one of the first people to early adopt the DK1. So, I mean, uh, yeah. yeah. We'll see how it goes, yeah. Yeah, so that is uh, JVC, dipping their toes JVC. in the, uh, the XR market. You want um, to go ahead and uh, dip into Reddit there, Mike? Yeah, absolutely. I was just going to say, go for it. You okay. dive in. We just didn't pre-align, so I didn't know. <laughs> and for all those who thought there was a, uh, a we had a, a special super hot moment earlier, my internet hiccuped, and you guys all froze. And I was like, oh, this is interesting. For the first time in the life of this podcast, you guys were all static, and I was there just having a blast of a time. It was great. Happens to me all the time. How did you feel? Oh, it was fantastic. <laughs> it was like, I was like a free man, new, newly born. So let me tell you what I fished up from Reddit. Two small things. Sure. You know, the thing I, I tried to do, and I, I put a couple of hours into it, and um, I came up almost empty-handed, was I wanted to do a kind of a summary of all the subreddits that you didn't know about that were VR-related. Unfortunately, you probably already know them. PSVR, you know... NSFW, Oculus, all these various ones that I'm sure you're you're familiar with. But there's one that I found, which is quite good. Uh, and I, I, I never knew about it, and it's new to me. So there's a VR deals, a VR game deals um, subreddit, which shows you, like, current packages. Gives you coupons, gives you bundles, discounts, that kind of stuff. And also, this is the thing that I really like about it, because I've seen these kinds of tracker sites before, and they're not, they've not been very good is it gives you expired notices uh, on the deals that have since crossed. So oh. this is one that I would just recommend. I saw a few things on there that I, I like the look of, and I thought I would just kind of mention to you this VR game deals subreddit. So that's available at reddit.com slash r slash VR game deals. So game um, deals. you know that by showing this, you're putting yourself out of work with this podcast because someone were like, oh, just, uh, you know, Zoom, ah, whatever, man. Just click on the link, done. <laughs> but okay 
I'm, I'm, I'm trying to follow the logic, but maybe I'm too confused. Um, what do you mean? That they're going to go and spend all their money and not be able to come and watch a free podcast? What do you mean? That's true. Yeah, that's true. No, but it's like it, like like people should still be you know checking your releases out and also oh, these deals right. because it's more well, interactive. Th these are like, and the thing is, a lot of these are like, you know, available for a day, available for a week. You know, they're things mm. that if you don't really pay attention, I mean, the cadence of our show is great to yeah. show you what's come out this week or what you might have missed last Last week it's not good for stuff that's burning so for burning stuff check out this new subreddit the second thing i wanted to mention which i saw uh from the psvr from the depths of the psvr sub and i found hilarious was uh a, a, a situation that i have not faced but some of you psv owners might have so you'll be familiar with the psvr subreddit which is just uh r slash psvr Great sub, by the way. I think it's it's one of my favorites. Um, quite quite a balanced community. I would say that I've never seen this problem. Someone posts, MyZBear says, Hello, I've never seen my PSVR motion controllers turn green before. Does this have any specific meaning, or are they broken? They've always been blue when I've logged in, and I don't know if any of you have ever seen bright green Neo I've seen green, controllers. No, I've seen blue, uh, blue and red. Yeah, I've seen blue and red. So there is an answer to this. So essentially, when a PSVR is picked up, the controller system will choose a color that is easily tracked by the camera. And so in this case, based upon the operating environments, oh. the system is cycled through to green. And well, it's a quite okay. a rare situation. Oh, okay. so, so, so the camera is looking at your, your room and it yeah. just sees certain colors. It's like, okay, this, this color matches the best with your light conditions. That's yeah. genius, man. That's <laughs> like almost, amazing. That's very cool because I've yeah. seen, like Mike said, I've seen the red ones are the kind of pinky color. Yeah, it's, for me, um, it was always, um, yeah, purple, purple. And purple. Uh, I've seen red too. And uh, what was the other one again? Then you have, you guys mentioned another color. That uh, sounds, blue. They're, yeah, blue. they're like always blue. Yeah, yeah. Just like the blue end of the purple. aim controller. This is the thing I was wondering as well when Mike was picking up his aim controller earlier. I've seen it do blue and I've seen it do red, but I think that that's, that's the same deal, right? It just yeah, cycles yeah. through colors to kind of pick up the tracking and match your background. The, the reason we probably haven't seen it is most of us are dealing with green screens and it's not mm -hmm. going to match against the green screen, right? So. And it's funny because Nim Sony in the chat says you can set them to literally any color. He says, when I was using them for a DIY PC VR project, I just set them to what was best uh, in my room. Mm. Yeah. Oh, so good. you can change them to any color you want. But yeah, yeah, if you see them go green, it's not like the red ring of death. It's not the green uh, virus <laughs> that your PSVR has. I thought I would just share that tip. And if anyone out there is feeling like a, like a, you know, no one's, no one's seen this problem before, that answers it. That's nice. our deep dive into Reddit. A couple of other Reddit things I want to mention is that sure. there is another funny, uh, well, sometimes funny uh, subreddit, and that is sometimes. that is uh, VR to ER, <laughs> and it's basically yeah. people oh, failing to set up their Guardian system. So, you know, like Zim mentioned earlier with uh, Gorilla Tag, you know, make sure you've got adequate room. Uh, there's plenty of, like, uh, injuries and stuff and broken TVs and all sorts of stuff posted on there. But also uh, another useful one is uh, AppLab. That does have a, its own subreddit now. So that's where oh, they're aggregating cool. a lot of the AppLab links. So if you're interested in AppLab content, go and check that out. Very good. Thank you. Nice. Those are good ones. Yeah. yeah. Cheers, Mike. So now it's time for us to sit back and get schooled by Rowdy <laughs> because he's going to give us a Rowdy science lesson on spatial computing, which is going to be interesting. Mm -hmm. 
Correct, correct. Uh, yeah, uh, I'm gonna be showing some slides. So for the audio listeners, I'm very, very sorry, but uh, I'll, I'll give a, a fairly good explanation of each slide. So they won't be missing out. Uh, just let me know, Zim, if uh, if the slides are actually working. That we're moving to the next <laughs> okay, one. Okay, so, I'll let you know so once I see a change. All right. Okay, I, I just changed it myself, so it should be should be kind of happening now. Okay, let's see. Well, I see something. Yep, I've got yeah. I've got one. All right, cool. So you see, uh, you see spatial computing, right? Yes. Mm. All right. So a little while ago, not that long, I, I read this article in uh, Scientific American that was called uh, Spatial Computing, the Next Big Thing Beyond Virtual and Augmented Reality. And that, that kind of piqued my attention as, you know, being a VR and AR uh, enthusiast. So in this short presentation, what I would like to do is just give you all an idea of like what spatial computing is and why it's so important and why they're saying beyond virtual and augmented reality. Um, so in this article, they describe a fictitious character, Martha, who is an octogenarian. I had to look that up first, but apparently that's just a nice word for someone who lives between the ages 80 and 90. Um, that lives independently and she uses a wheelchair. Now, the text goes as follows, follows. So all objects in her home are digitally cataloged. All sensors and the devices that control objects have been internet enabled. Also, a digital map of her home has been merged with the object map. Now, as Martha moves from her bedroom to the kitchen, the lights switch on and the am ambient temperature adjusts. The chair was slowly uh, uh, release if her cat crosses her path. When she reaches the kitchen, the table moves to improve her access to the refrigerator and stove, then moves, moves back when she's ready to eat. Later, if she begins to fall when getting into bed, her furniture shifts to protect her and alert, an, an alert goes to her son and the local monitoring station. So that's just like a, a little bit of an idea of like, you know, the kind of things that spatial computing can do but what it actually is in essence is that it's um the convergence of the physical and the digital world together so in a sense what it does is it's it digitizes objects and connects these throughout the cloud to allow sensors and motors to react to one another as well as represent the real world as well and this is what we call um spatial mapping because it combines all of these technologies with this spatial mapping in order to track and control the movements and interactions of objects as the person navigates through the digital or the physical world mm. and this has a very strong concept a very strong parallel with the concept of, of a digital twin that engineers typically use uh, in, in, in programs such as CAT. Uh, which is a computer-aided design. Um, so a digital tin, twin that is kind of the generation or a collection of digital data that represents a physical object. Now, the concept of this is, like I said, more in engineering and the creation of engineering drawings and graphics. Um, but they're being more and more used in the creation of product design and just engineering activities. Um, now, in plain English, this just means that, you know, you create a very highly complex virtual model that is the exact counterpart or twin of a physical thing. Now, with the use of computing increasing the ability and scientific disciplines with the digital twin, you have a wide variety of technologies that are now also implementing this. It could hugely benefit from this, such as natural language processing, machine learning, object visual recognition, acoustic analytics, signal processing. Those are just a few of them that, uh, that use this kind of technology in order to, to, to improve uh, testing. So they can, for example, use a cognitive twin, a cognitive digital twin to improve testing and determine which product test 
should be run more frequently, it should be more um, retired. Um, so this can take us beyond the human intuition to design and ref uh, refine future machines. As there is no more that one size fits all, but instead like machines will be individually customized to any particular individual. Um, because we're now with this cognitive digital twin, it's not just about what we're building, but also for whom we're building this. And with spatial computing, so this is kind of the next step, this is not only being done on objects, but also being done on humans and locations using a wide variety of technologies such as GPS, LiDAR, video formatting, uh, all that to provide a digital map. Now, another uh, example that was given in um, in the article was one in the medical field. So it's, it's a rather futuristic and fictitious scenario, but it is very plausible if you keep in mind what we've just talked about. So just to show the potential of, of spatial computing. So a, par a paramedical team is dispatched to an apartment in a city to handle a patient who might need emergency surgery. As the system sends the patient's medical records and real-time updates to the technician's mobile devices and to the uh, emergency department, it also determines the fastest driving route to reach the person. Red lights hold, cro hold crossing traffic, and as the ambulance pulls up, the building's entry doors open, revealing an elevator already being in position. Now, objects can also move out of the way as the medics hurry in with a stretcher. We have a, a, a particular system that can guide them to the ER room via the quickest route, while a surgical team all at the same time uses spatial computing and augmented reality to map out the choreography of the entire operating room or plan a surgical path throughout this patient's body. I think we can all agree that this kind of technology is... is, is you know, the future in a, in a certain way. The, the, the amount of efficiency that we reach by doing this is, is, is incredible. But what is it exactly? Because it's very hard to pinpoint one certain technology and say, okay, well, that is spatial computing. Spatial computing is more of, a, of an umbrella concept resulting from the combination of a, a very wide selection of technologies. And spatial computing also allows us to step inside the world of computers rather than just interacting with it and that is how we're getting more close to the the virtual reality segment of this and and this is a result of the fact that computers just haven't been static anymore for a long time nowadays you can find a computer ship and pretty much everything from your phone to your fridge to your tv to even our virtual reality headsets and it has a very white uh, a very large potential in a very wide variety of fields uh, although it's not always equally successful because i found this one e example where a, a police robot told a woman to just go away after she tried to report a crime and after that it just trundled off and started singing a song so there's still some work that needs to be done in order to like you know get this to the next level so what about the combination then with ar and vr why is it the step beyond uh, uh, these two technologies. So spatial computing and AR are actually really intertwined with one another. Uh, you can think of things like, for example, giving repair instructions in both the real world and the training environment, and also uh, the operation of robots using remote control, using VR or AR glasses. And likewise, the combination of virtual reality and augmented reality with the real world would greatly improve the efficient flow of work. So I, I suggest we just start doing it. And, you know, 
we, everyone is like working on this kind of technology in this kind of field. But the biggest issue is, and it's something that we've highlighted throughout the podcast as well, is like like with most new technology in, in the current landscape is that it, it requires adoption, widespread adoption. And there are a lot of challenges involved in getting anyone to adopt and deploy new technology. This is particularly true in, in large social spaces, spaces and businesses that already have a certain set way of, of doing things. And many companies in the world are, are struggling to move away from hardware commitments uh, into software in the cloud. People are also having a very hard time to just embrace uh, spatial computing. But as we saw with the recent rise of work from home due to the COVID-19 pandemic, this could kind of push us to like develop more into this kind of technology and also see us more the potential of te technologies like this. Um, however, as a, as a last slide, I want to just comment on, on like dumb people, uh, in my opinion, at least. It, it highlights um, the rather dumb argument that VR is a fad, as we sometimes hear in the current media. The question remains, of course, whether the, the technology is, is ready for mass adoption in its current state. Um, but I, I think that history has shown plenty of times that humanity's hunger for technological improvement typically creates like the, the necessary drive for these kind of technologies to develop further and ultimately leading to a market disruption, which I really think that VR, AR and spatial computing uh, together will do. That was it. Nice. Nice. Yeah. nice. So what applications do you, do you feel that, you know, could in, in the near term at least help us like productivity in vr is it just because you know that the we'll implement some sort of smart keyboard into vr and you know we'll be able to yeah i i think that the the what we've talked about already a couple of shows uh a couple of weeks ago um is that the focus on that business development i really think that we're getting there with like bringing the office into vr is like the next step in like you know, the way that people will interact with one another. You know, the internet was a really big change in this, you know, the way that we communicate with each other, the way that we get information. And this is like a kind of like a logical follow-up to this. That's how I see it. Um, and you, you see now the internet is being implemented in, in every industry from entertainment to the medical field to engineering. Communication, all is done with the internet. Mm. If, if, and I think that technology that, that adopt this really rather quickly is particularly seen in the medical field. Mm -hmm. you know, the medical field uses the internet for a wide variety of things. And I think that, that like the example that we gave with the medical field with spatial computing, just to increase efficiency, uh, which is something that we always try to do, you know, in, in, in any kind of industry. But I think especially in the medical field, it's very crucial that the workflow there is optimized, is very efficient. Um, so I think the medical fields and, you know, the home office environment uh, mm. will be the things that we see rather quickly and all being implemented already. Yeah. And I think, you know, certainly for me, I would love to just like declutter everything, you know, on my desk because like, you know, everyone's got like monitors they've got keyboards mice other peripherals lying around everywhere if you can just streamline that have like a nice chair you sit back and your digital workplace is just all laid out you know nicely in front of you and you've got yeah. an infinite amount of monitors and information that you can access all at the same time that kind of minority and, and imagine that style. is then also mapped to the room that you're in so fully mapped to so it could be like a virtual room but yeah actually mapped so you, your chair is in the correct place where you're sitting there's a window in that room where you're looking out you know like the, there's so many things that you can do with this kind of technology that i think it's it's 
it's it's bound to happen almost you know technology mm. has always been this is one of the the main drivers for humanity you know it's like we always want to evolve and get further into this and i think that this is just almost a logical step in the in in our evolution that's a cool episode of rowdy science i have to say though that it it the the maybe not the near future but the long-term future i just picture that that lovely ship with all the bloated people on Wally, you know, like yeah. they're all just there with their sodas and stuff sitting by the beach and they're like flopping over and the robot comes and props their arm up. Like I do worry a little bit that is it going to make humanity that lazy? I love the example that the article went through and that you talked us through, Rowdy, where, you know, somebody's uh, in a compromised situation, falls out of a bed at the age of 90, gets, you know, assisted, let's say immediately, and they've got emergency services on the way. But I do think about you know, the basement dwellers out there. No, no offense to our basement dwellers watching the podcast now, but you know, of course, <laughs> lazy of course. gets lazier. You know what I mean? But but at the same time, um, I, I I wouldn't necessarily um, intertwine the two together. That this will make us lazier. It will, it will make things easier for sure, but it will also make it easier to exercise. It will also make it easier to to go out. In a, in, in a certain way to, to move about. I mean, not to actually physically go out, but to, uh, to move about. And it will, you know, there, there are so many potentials, I think, for like interesting game developers to actually use the real world in order to make it more interesting, maybe for people to go out in it as well, which I think is, is something that is maybe bound to happen as well. So we all remember that scene from, uh, I think, Ready Player One, where they're all like running outside and, you know, they have their, their you know, you see them just running in the real world and yet, then you see what they're actually seeing where they're running into this wide open mm. field. But you imagine that kind of thing where, you know, the entire world will be there will be a digital twin of the, of the world where you can go into and you, you can put a skin over that and all of a sudden it's World of Warcraft and you go mm. outside in that world and interact with people like that. And those kind of things are, are being done. You know, that is technology that people are working on. And I think that's a very exciting, exciting future. It is. I, I think the thing for me is like, again, you said digital twin. Like at some point you'll be able to meet your own digital twin. You know what I mean? Like mm. at some stage, it's not just... The shadow layer behind me that mm -hmm. i don't know let's say the data that facebook's gathering <laughs> at the moment but at some stage you'd be able to arrange like almost just meeting that person what is my digital fingerprint mm -hmm. and actually have a conversation with them and that could be really interesting and uh, that is again like the example of where technology moves faster than ethical decisions that needs to be done on a government or a political or, or a moral level uh, because it's very hard to like stop that kind of thing because we already see it happening where they like bringing people back from the dead by you mm. know making a digital avatar of someone mm. and uh, for those of you who read ready player uh, 2 i'm not going to give any spoilers or not too much but they touch on that concept as well mm -hmm. which is which is interesting because you know you get you, you get a digital representation of yourself that could be almost Similar. exactly equal yeah. to what you are um and then, of course, you get the question, which is a philosophical question, you know, the, which one is the real you? Because there's an example, I'll, I'll, I'll briefly give it, it's like, a, I, I forgot the name, how you call these kind of stories, but I'll just tell the story. If you, there, there's, a, there's a man who has a ship and one of the boards from the ship breaks. So he takes the old board off and he puts the new board on there. Oh. Is it still the, sh the same ship? That's the first question I ask you guys. Is it still the same ship if he replaces one of the boards? It's, it's it's changed, hasn't it? So it's it's slightly different, but it is the same. Ultimately, the same okay. shit, but it's slightly different. 
Okay. And then he replaces, you know, this goes on and on and on, and he eventually replaces all of the boards on the ship. So there's not a single one of the old ones there anymore. Is it still the same ship? I mean, that's the same thing that happens with us. Like, I'm, I am no longer a, a single cell, I think, you know, that I was when I was 15 or something, mm -hmm. right? But it, it doesn't stop there. So yeah. what if now someone collects all of those old boards that got thrown away and builds the old ship back from those old boards? So now you have two ships, one with the old boards and one with the new boards, but which one is the real ship? Oh my God. See, it's like, it's like you get these kind of conversations going where you, you don't know how to answer these anymore. Yeah. Well, the one that existed first, but yeah, I mean... Yeah. But, but certainly like um, in the situation yeah. that we're in now where, you know, a lot of people are stuck at home, you know, I know lockdown restrictions are different across the world, but certainly here in the UK, we've been stuck in this mm. lockdown mess since like March, what, last year. So, um, you know, it feels like it's almost never ending. And I, I'd imagine that problem is accelerating this kind of technology even more to yeah. try and solve the problem because no one really knows what the world is going to look like in two, three years so time. Nobody is allowed to go out anymore except for in the virtual. Well, you just don't know. Like, I know world. it's bleak. It's very Black Mirror-like <laughs> yeah. and it is, it would be very sad. But we just don't know, do we? We just don't know how things are going to play out from here. Well, so we it's already such a live weird in a time. Black Mirror episode for a year. We do. Now, just we do. Yeah, it is very <laughs> weird. Um, and I appreciate the fact that I have this outlet every weekend. I can talk rubbish <laughs> with my mates and broadcast it to the internet. It's plus, amazing. Plus, you can now make plans to have another mic and you can play video games with, with Mike. Mike likes Nicolas Cage movies too. You can do all these specific things that you always talk about with just like your Rowdy, friend though. Mike. Mike doesn't play well with others, so I imagine, you know... <laughs> Mike and Mike would not I, I'm going to have well. some yeah. really special <laughs> nightmares tonight, I think, Rowdy, with this, this kind of... The permutations that you've just triggered in my brain are... The, the ship are, of Theseus, the chat actually helped me out how it was called. Cool. It's, oh, a, nice. it's the, a paradox, indeed. The Jeez. ship of Theseus. <laughs> so, angry tribbles from Goebbels to philosophy. goes <laughs> 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 a long way. <laughs> That is very true. Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. We, we've oh. come far in a single episode. But yeah, no, yeah, I really right. appreciate that, Rowdy. If you've got any questions for Rowdy, uh, chuck them in the chat. Uh, if if yeah. you're on the same sort of wavelength of him, of course, which you may not be if you're talking about gerbils and gerbils. <laughs> but um, anyway, now uh, let's hand over to Zim because I think we've got some releases to look forward to uh, this week. Yeah. Am I right? A few, a few. Yes, this is a this is a drier week than some. But oh, um, those are I the will, best. Those are the best. I, let me. <laughs> they can be. They can be. This first one. Um, have any of you guys heard of Moose Life? Moose Life. Of course. Any, yeah. Moose Life. Totally. Yeah. Moose I'm Life. looking forward yeah. to it. Yeah. It's a PSVR game that just released PSVR. Um, so some of you may know Polybius. Uh, yes. Any of you recognize Polybius? Polybius was. I think a legal VR drug trip experience, I would call it, where you were this bull charging down an Atari level graphic corridor. That's right. And you were just blasting pixels. Uh, this is very much the same, and it's from Llamasoft, the same creators. <laughs> and really, since the mid 90s, they've been making games like this. And they continue to do so from Wales. Um, guy loves sheep. I won't go into that. Um, that's not what I meant. He owns a couple of sheep. Well, actually, anyway, I'm not going to judge anyone. It's 2021. But this guy, Jeff Minter, um, is like a legend. Like he is, he's known for this kind of game. 
This is another one that's dropped. It's been in, it was actually out for PC. You can get this on PC VR um, since August last year. It's called Moose Life because it features a moose. And it's a moose that can invert and run on the ceiling and stuff. But this is like... Wait, like, wait, a spider moose. It's a spider moose. And, spider and, moose. And, and it literally is a trippy psychedelic shooter <laughs> is the best way to describe it. If, you, if you've only ever seen this in a video and not played the game you will probably dismiss it very readily like you that's would any other right now. That's what I'm trippy thinking. game, yeah. right? Right. If, if you play something like this, right, whether it's Polybius or this game, because to be honest, I can't even tell them apart. They're pretty much looking the same. It is so easy to fall down that hole and spend an hour. It's bizarre. It's really strange. And to help me articulate this, I'm going to mention just someone that, that, that uh, gave a review on Steam. I love calling people out. So GJ Smith says this jeff minter the man the legend has done it again moose life despite its terrible title and terrible in-game text is the absolute business in terms of shooting day glow stuff until it shatters into all the pixels in the universe and having spent several hours in polybius i can say that this is the kind of game if you're look you're looking just for a game that you literally boot up and immediately you're playing and then you're just playing wave after wave and it gets a little bit more difficult and it takes you back to kind of the 80s style gameplay, it actually works quite well in VR. It's it's weird. It is absolutely mm. weird. Know what you're getting in for. It's a psychedelic shooter, and it's as close to something like Sound Self or, or Ayahuasca in that respect. But if you're trying to get yourself into a better mental place, I'd recommend you check out a game like this. Um, if you already own Polybius, I can't see a reason to go and buy Moose Life. But it's got Moose. What other VR game has Moose? Does it um, have uh, aim control support? No, these are as far as I know. No? Th these are I don't think there's any uh, I don't think there's any touch controller support of this. I think it's basically gamepad or mouse and keyboard. But, okay. Um, anyway, Moose Life, it's there. I, I wanted to mention it solely because it is the first PSVR release I've seen in months, and wow. um, the store absolutely buries this. This is not even readily available to new buyers, which I think is sad for for Jeff but, and his team at but this is This is definitely a typical game for the month of February. It is, unfortunately. February yeah. tends to be a bit of a dry month. But we have another brand of horror game also in the works. Oh. So there's a there's a company called VR Bros who are releasing a title. Mike pointed this out to me. Thanks, Mike, for this as well. Awake In. It's it's kind of a weird name. A space wake space in. So space. Awake In. Now, I don't have a price on this one, but this one is dropping on the 25th of Feb. That previous title, by the way, is already available. That was out 16th. Um, so Awaken is, if I was to summarize it from everything I've read about this game, it is a wheelchair-bound horror game with difficult locomotion. Yes. Okay? I will, I will summarize it that way. Now let me give you the, the game spiel so... They can say to you what they want to be heard. So explore gloomy passages on a wheelchair with immersive with an immersive control system, complete with its limitations and difficulties. So you are actually moving with your touch controllers, for example, the wheels on the sides of your chair. Uh, but you won't be alone. So mysterious Dr. Finnegan, owner of the estate, will accompany you by the shortwave transmitter. So someone's talking at you, narrating as you go along. You actually happen to be <laughs> you happen to be one of these mannequins mm -hmm. um, and you're going along for the ride on your way you'll find many other items some useful to move forward uh, some that can give you a hint 
And while you're doing this, there are other mannequins in the environment, other dolls similar to you, um, but they have no friendly intentions. So again, we're back into a Five Nights at Freddy's uh, type experience. They're deadly and raging, and you're going to have to watch out for those. So Finally, Mike's movie makes sense now for the podcast. Yeah. Thank you, Zim. Thank Finally, you. his what? His, <laughs> the movie, his movie recommendation. Oh, yeah, 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 exactly. So <laughs> A Wake In is available for PCVR from the 25th of February, um, and you got to find your way out. So there's only one other game that I remember being in Wait, a wheelchair guess. for. Let me guess. That, that never released. It's not going to be oh, what you guessed. Not released? Think. Oh, I no, thought I think... Wheelchair Simulator VR. Is there one? <laughs> yeah, there is, is there one? one. Yeah, yeah, where you have to do stuns and stuff. And it's, it's like made by Tony someone Hawk who was actually in a wheelchair. And it was a game made for charity, but it's been a while. Yeah. Oh no. You know, there was one I that was um, by Manus VR, and it was it, it was an interesting experience. It was about someone who was an alcoholic. You started off with this like series of bottles spread around you, and it was going to be this whole like immersive thing. I don't think it ever actually ended up releasing. I saw it on the show, show floor of EGX a few times, mm. um, and I was hoping it would come out, but I don't think that one ever did. Mm. Um, yeah. So I, I actually know, tried it's... this uh, this week. Oh, that's good. Yeah, I got uh, like a preview build show. of uh, Awaken. And I really like the concept of it. Like when they, they sent me an email and said, you know, you're this kind of like mannequin, you're in a wheelchair, you can actually roll the wheels like you would do if you was in a physical wheelchair, or they have a joystick, which you can control the movement with. I thought it was a really interesting, unique concept. I really like the kind of dark and creepy vibe of the house and that it was a puzzle game as well. Uh, totally up my, my street. I've been playing a lot of little nightmares just recently. And this kind of like almost translated nicely into something that would be in VR that I'd be into. Um, They've got some really clever design mechanics around the wheelchair. So you've got like a kind of tobacco box in front of you that you can flip open. When you collect items, you put them in the tobacco box and they, they kind of stay there. You use them to solve puzzles throughout the list, like kind of creepy mansion. The the one thing that I didn't like about it and is just the control method. Um, the problem is that when you simulate being in a wheelchair in VR, um, it and I'm not really that susceptible to motion sickness anymore, but it actually did make me feel a little bit motion sick. Uh, and I don't know if it wasn't particularly well optimized, even for my high-end PC, because um, it was a preview build, so I've just got to throw that caveat out there. But um, I did suffer with uh, frame rates as well. So that combined with the motion didn't make for a particularly enjoyable experience. Mm -hmm. But that could just be the fact that I had a preview build and you know maybe I'll get know. better on release. I don't know. Like, when I played Wheelchair Simulator, I had kind of like the same uh, feels to that. It's just yeah. uh, it doesn't match the, the way uh, you just sit in real life. Uh, mm. It's just kind of... So especially when you go up and down to... I don't know if this game also uh elevates in in ways but that really puts you off in in the long run it, it's yeah. definitely one of the most hardcore things even that it sounds like oh you're just sitting and you're moving but yeah it's uh yeah, yeah paradise to case that he didn't he didn't uh, experience any motion sickness with the game but maybe it's just mm -hmm. me yeah it's interesting because um one of the things that that i i think if you've got a chair right if you're sitting in a chair and this is designed to be a seated experience a chair with arms you're gonna naturally be hitting those arms did you find that um, when you were um, playing you, you've got uh you can adjust the height and stuff uh in the settings at the beginning so you can kind of calibrate your virtual wheelchair to the height of your actual chair so that's pretty smart mm -hmm. and like i said the way they kind of laid out uh tools on the wheelchair you, you've got like a hook for a torch and you've got a, a slot for a radio and this little tobacco box you can fill up with goodies uh, I thought it was a really smart idea i really like the concept mm -hmm. but um unfortunately from what i experienced i didn't feel like uh, it was something that I was going to particularly enjoy. 
Yeah, got it. Okay. Well, thanks for the feedback on that, yeah. Mike. That's good to know for the for that. The one thing I did see in a couple of articles written about the preview build um, was the interaction of looking to grab an object at kind of waist height, like a drawer or something like that. Uh, often interacted like your hands would grab to the the wheels instead of the drawer, and you'd fight a little bit, kind of like what we had in Medal of Honor between the guns, yeah. where there were three guns in, yeah. in an array, yeah. and you're like, I just want gun number two, please, but you just couldn't do it. So, <laughs> yeah. so I got, suppose... Yeah, they've, go got a, they've got a smart system where you can transform your hand, so you've got a normal, like, animatronic hand, or you can turn it into, like, one of those grabby pincer hands that's, that's got mm. some distance to oh. it. So you can okay. grab items from afar using that by just swapping it out. I think you press the, the thumbstick in to swap it over. Like um, in Red Matter, like they had that, yeah, like in Red Matter they had very a, a similar, swappy mechanism. But yeah, you've just got more length, so you can reach items from afar. I think it's just it's getting used to that, getting accustomed to, you know, that kind of gameplay, uh, maybe? I don't know. That answers, that, that answers, so they've, they've taken the decision to make you a mannequin so that, that you can have stretchy arms. Yeah. Got it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. interchangeable yeah. arms, yeah. Well, I've got a couple of other things, uh, just little mentions for this week's releases. So one of the things that we got a teaser about this week, yet another teaser, this is probably the third or fourth now, is that the Climb 2 is, quote-unquote, using air quotes here, very succinctly, coming soon. So for those who have been looking forward to and have been playing the Climb 1, uh, like Nathy, Mr. He's basically a mummy at this stage. 84 uh, years. Dust yourself off. Get ready for Climb 2, which is coming. <laughs> yeah. And it looks like it's got some pretty awesome visuals from all the teaser trailers that we've seen so far. Um, I don't know. You, you guys were talking about this at the beginning. I'm definitely hyped for it. Um, are you? Are yeah. you interested yeah, in the Climb? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think the reason why I'm so Visual excited about it is the urban environments. I, I like yeah. the idea of climbing a skyscraper. Mirror's That's going to be style. awesome. Yeah. yeah, I think that's going to be awesome. I'm and just totally the visuals. I'll see like how much the difference is between like the Climb One and the Climb Two. You know, but uh, we don't know if it's going to be released on PC at this point. I think that's going to be. Uh, is anyone still asking about that? Yeah. Well, you know, we if you if you want to play it on PC for the high end visuals, because you know, Climb One was always a stunner. It's it going to be a bit of a shame. It released on Steam, right? It only no. it was always an Oculus exclusive. Oculus exclusive, oh. yeah. Yeah. What I'd also really like mm -hmm. to see is um, physical like. Multi, not, not like multiplayer where you actually see your friend yeah, not the in, in the game mode. not yeah. the ghost mode yeah i want to like i want to actually real... go climbing with one of you guys you, so you know, can make be a really trip cool. right yeah that'd be fun multiplayer <laughs> i think especially Sabotage. when it's got two in the title but yeah for me I, like what rowdy was saying it's it's the visuals it's the kind of environment because it's really tranquil and i know we were just talking about another game where you can kind of take a mental break that's what i like about the climb is that you really do feel like when when you're when you are climbing, you know, or or, or bouldering or something, it, yep. it's a very kind of insular experience. It's something that you get into your own headspace a lot, and it, it's almost like meditation, it right? Is. And it, it's meditation, and and so I found that the climb one was a bit like that. Um, you get these segments of meditation, and then you know you get the little you know jets or other skydivers mm. flying by yeah. you and like, woo at the it, top also, of the mountain, finding yeah. finding uh, hidden secrets to unlock more. <laughs> gloves and things like that because you can also yeah. you know customize your character a little bit yeah no it's it's great stuff nice. and, and 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 i'm surprised it's it's coming out so early because we were waiting for the climb one to come to quest for so freaking long it took ages before they pulled the trigger on that uh but then this week they're like oh we're gonna we're gonna announce something exciting and then what they announce is a giveaway i'm like yeah 10 out of 10 marketing here we go again <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> yeah. they're just throwing it out um like there is no tomorrow um yeah. and and i think this is one of the last games 
that Oculus is invested in for Quest 2. What is what is the next lineup? What's I think left. Yeah, unless unless we say from, that, from the um, first time they they announced games for Quest, you know what I mean? We had you yeah. know all these these like you remember the trailers, the first steps trailer. Oh, you mean all like the, from the box and stuff? Yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I suppose so, aside from Horizon, it's like what, what are we gonna what are we gonna see this year? I mean, the year is uh, just started, so um, mm. yeah, Horizon. Um, <laughs> Yeah. yeah. So, all right. There was one last thing I wanted to mention, which is interesting—a game that's changed its name, uh, and it's one of one of the games that I've been most looking forward to in 2021. So you might have you might have followed the whole um, phasmophobia kind of spiel. Don't get too excited. Phasmophobia is not confirmed for VR. It's not coming. That's not what I'm talking about. Cosmophobia was a game that was previously announced by White Door Games, the creators of Dreadhalls. They've changed their name. So now instead of Cosmophobia. The name is Cosmodred, and Cosmodred will be landing March 25th. So we've got just a little over a month, and this is confirmed now for both Quest and PC VR. This is one of those roguelike experiences where you're, again, like Dreadhalls was, going through essentially a space dungeon, I'll call it that, mm -hmm. and trying to survive with some tools and accessor accessories that you've got trying to survive that game loop again and again and again. It looks creepy as hell. I look forward to the kind of space environment, which would be a nice a nice vacation from the Egyptian tomb of Dreadhalls. Um, but yeah, looking forward to Cosmodred. So keep that one on your wish lists and uh, get forward to get, get frightened. Mm, All right. Nice. nice. That's also, it for releases this week. Yeah. Quick mention, Population 1 Season 1 is dropping. Um, we'll have the details when we know more, probably next week. Uh, and potentially Hyperdash. I'm not quite sure though, so don't take my word on that one. I'm not 100%, uh, but I just thought I'd mention it anyway because it's a great game and I really enjoyed it. Previous side quest exclusive. Sure. So yeah, so maybe I thought as we're running a bit early ahead of schedule, which is very unusual for us. We're going <laughs> to end the show. Well, we're gonna. I was going to oh. ask if anyone's got any questions while I okay. sort of recap the times. Yeah. Uh, and then maybe we can take a couple of questions before we say goodbye. Yeah, so, sounds good. just a reminder, this is a weekly VR, AR and MR talk show, live streamed every Saturday on YouTube and on Twitch. The show goes live at 7pm in Europe, 6pm in the UK and 12 midday in Central US. You can also check out the audio version, which is available on iTunes, SoundCloud and Spotify. Hit that like button if you've enjoyed the show and loved Rowdy's Rowdy Science segment and subscribe to the yes. channel for more. Uh, and I want to thank Val for sponsoring the show uh, as well. So the thank Winter you to them. Games. Um, so let's see. Uh, Fabster asks, Link's mixed reality headset. So that's the one we talked about a few months back with the crazy prism style yeah. lenses. Oh, yeah. We haven't really yeah. heard that much, although they did yeah. release a mixed reality well, Today. Through, yeah. through the lenses capture of uh, yeah. some stuff. So if you're interested in checking that out, Go and check them out on Twitter. Yeah. Hyperdash is confirmed to release on the 25th. Thank you very much to Dave the Psycho for that. It's an awesome game, by the way. Uh, I'm oh, really excited good. to see how the community picked that one up. I know it's kind of got some competition now, but uh, hopefully it can stand on its own anyway. It's smooth. It's so smooth. That's the thing. The writing, if you don't know it, it's a bit like Jet Set Radio for VR combined with... I'll say Quake or UT or something. Yeah. Team Fortress is probably well, a better I, example. It, but you're just riding these rails and it's just beautiful. And the guns and, and the environments, are they're just set to run very smoothly. Again, prior to uh, Solaris ever dropping, and I, that's probably its nearest mm. cousin in my opinion, 
that that game is it's just it's just gorgeous the way it runs you know it's it's mm-hmm. beautifully performing well because because solaris just didn't perform well in the end i think this this game hyperdash is gonna you know take over the show mm. yeah yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, what are UK asks? Who's going to get tired first in Zim <laughs> Zim's Gorilla Tag Tournament tomorrow? <laughs> well, mm. I know what to expect now, so I'm going to be stretching because you're going to need to stretch before this game because you're okay. going to get sore. That's all I'm going to say. But um, we'll see. Oh we'll put bets on. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> we'll put bets on down the bookies. Yeah, <laughs> um, the Gorilla Tag. Could you tomorrow. invite uh, Robert Robert Scoble on to talk about the current state of spatial computing? Um, yeah, we could we could always ask him. Uh, he's kind of one of those people that's always kind of in 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 around the community. So, I guess he would probably be interested in doing that. We also wanted to talk to investors. Actually, uh, we've talked about that between us about inviting an investor on the show uh, to see what their take of uh, the VR industry is like right now. Why actually, they do I, it? <laughs> I didn't mention it, but there is a subreddit dedicated to virtual reality investors. I, um, I forget the name of it now, but you'd find it easily enough. It was something along the lines of like VR investors subreddit, uh, oh. but it's solely dedicated to Original. people. Yeah, well, yeah, but yeah. It, yeah. it's interesting. It was a kind of a standalone one. I didn't think this audience would be too interested in it, so I dropped it off. So mm-hmm. question from Caroline Loves Pink. Will there be uh, in the future on Beat Saber multiplayer the option to talk to other players in the lobby? See, this was one of my biggest criticisms of when yeah. the multiplayer dropped for Beat Saber because it's all about social... Uh, what it should have been anyway, yeah, and meeting new friends and making new friends. Whereas the only way you can really do it is by creating a group, a party group, and then inviting people you already know. It works, but it doesn't have the same effect as like Synth Riders multiplayer, which you know previously sponsored the show, and they mm. had an excellent multiplayer mode where it gave you the opportunity yeah. to meet new people. And I, I feel like that's mm. what VR should be all about. And certainly that's... for Beat Games, who are now a first-party Facebook Oculus Studio they should know better, in my opinion, yeah. anyway. Yeah. Especially because they're so focused on social, right? Yeah. You know, Facebook. Well, and especially because is, though, you they have... They say that. Yeah. Right? This is the thing. It, like, Nathan made this comment the other the other day. I don't remember if we were live or not, but, like, Facebook being, you know, focused on social, they are doing a great job of it. I mean, look at venues. Have you tried to connect with a friend and jump you into can't. venues? You can't. You basically can't. It's almost impossible. And... They hide where your friends are. I have to, every time I go in, there's people like fumbling. They clearly want to connect with friends. They've got no idea how to do it. So I stand there, I give them a tutorial, but like, I I don't understand. I do that on purpose, but. uh, You do that on purpose. So one last question from Paradise Decay. Uh, If you could have any guest on the show, who would it be and why? Well, the spatial version of Mike. I I really like these. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like I like these rowdy science episodes. So I'll say an undead Albert Einstein. I'd like to have the professor, him Professor VR. Maybe maybe the the um the the guy who founded virtual reality in the first place. Uh he is also in the um the the social dilemma. Uh, okay. I, I'm reading I, his I really book. thought you were going to say Elon Musk. Uh, well, I mean that would be okay. nice too, but uh the, no, the founder the founder of virtual reality who came up with this whole idea. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I I would say uh, Michio Kaku. Who? You know, are him? you allowed to say Futurist? that one? <laughs> Michio Kaku. Who, who is he? Uh, well, look him up. It's like uh, he's a he's a futurist. He okay. he talks about technologies of the future. He's he knows a lot about also like you know the Kardashev scales and you know mm. types of civilizations mm. and mm. it's just a very interesting kind of person. I think and yeah. he talks very well. I share the same opinion as uh, D1360 in the chat, and that is to have Palmer Lucky on the show. 
Um, you know, I know, I know there's a lot of controversy around the guy, but uh, I still think he's an interesting character and I'd love to get more of an insight into the early days of Oculus. And certainly if you like that kind of content, go and check out the book, which I mentioned earlier, which is The History of the Future by uh, Blake J. Harris. It gives you a lot of insight into that. But um, I think that would be really cool to have him on. Or John Carmack, of course. <laughs> Gaming science teacher, yeah. Isn't 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 John Carmack the correct answer? Yeah. I would say absolutely, yeah, yeah. yeah. The right blend. Or, or Gabe, of course, from Valve. Or Mark Zuckerberg, for that matter. Yeah. I'd love or to or Mike Verdu to talk about what we're gonna get this year in terms of games. That'd be nice. Yeah. yeah. Or Neil deGrasse Tyson. That's you, our wish list. If you've ever got any suggestions of guests, or you know that people Kanye, might be Kanye interested, West. Kanye might West. be interested in being on the show. <laughs> Then uh, tag us and let Joe, us know. Joe Rogan, he could learn us some some tips. You know, he could say some stuff about our podcast. <laughs> learn us real good. He's yeah, got a maybe. quest, I think. He's got a quest. Yeah, he does have a quest. He does. Yeah. yeah, he's a fan. Anyway, let's round up the show. Hope you all enjoyed it. Have a great week in VR, and we'll see you next week, as always, on next week's show. So take care. Bye bye for now.